I'm excited this morning to teach on the second lesson of our November series, The Life of Paul. And, you know, we've, we've been taught about Paul many times, but we focus more on his doctrines. But I wanted to, in this series, to give a little bit more background on his life, on how he came to the revelations that he did. Of course, that's what they were, revelations. What he preached was so different from what people we're used to, and even today, to be honest with you, uh, most of us don't get it. Amen. The grace of God is such a, a, an, an amazing thing. And when you see Paul's life, then you understand. I, I focused last week on all the things that he went through um, and how he was such a, a person of, of zeal, but in the wrong way, to the point where he was killing uh, Christians. And that's why he spoke about himself as the chiefest of sinners and how God really delivered him and his perspective and where he came from gave him that, that, that revelation of grace to mean so much more because he knew who he was. He knew what his life had been and how merciful God had been. And we're going to continue that today and we're going to uh, start off with the, where we ended last week where he, he had been converted and he had gone off into the desert for three years. And there in the three years, he had a personal one-on-one -on -one with Jesus. Amen. He says that in his, um, in his epistle in Corinthians, he had a one-on-one -on -one with Jesus and he received all those revelations, which why in second Corinthians, he talked about, he needed a, a thorn in the flesh to keep him humble. So we're going to, to dive into that right now. And of course, our theme scripture is Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 which says brethren I count not myself to have apprehended and as every time I read this it blows my mind because this was at near the end of his life and he's saying listen I'm still fighting I still want to learn more I want to know him amen I, I don't count as if I've achieved yet I've not arrived yet but this one thing I do forgetting and we went into that in detail last week how you cannot let your past take you hostage Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. Let me tell you something. It is a high calling that you're in church today. Because there's so many people who either don't understand or don't believe or don't value or don't think it's important. It's so awesome that we have this opportunity that God has given us the revelation of who he is that we may know him. But even then, Paul said, oh, that I may know him in the sense of knowing him more. I want to know him more. When you're in love with someone, you want to know every slightest thing about them. You want to know what their favorite color is, down to everything about them, right? You want to know them. He says, that I may know him more. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And of course, we went over his, his real epic change on his way to Damascus when it took the voice of God directly, a sovereign act of God to reach him. I don't know about you, but at times maybe you don't realize it or not, but God has reached into your life through circumstance. You may not even have realized it, but something changed your thinking. Something made you want to have a relationship with him. And it may have been a, a circumstance. I've, been, I've had some of those circumstances where God has directly come into my life. And in fact, of course, I've testified about 
my own Damascus Road experience that I had in 2004, which is really the only reason that I came to Milwaukee and, and decided to, to become a pastor. But, you know, God will interrupt your life if you are a seeker for truth. The Bible says those that seek shall find. If you're looking for truth, if you're looking for relationship God with God, He will enable that. He will show up. Amen. So this is by way of review. We, we went over um, the chronology of his life, and that's what we're going to go and do today, the first journey to Asia. Um, he became a Christian sometime in AD 36, so about five or six years after the death of Christ, about five or six years after the church uh, was, was started. And of course, we're going to be looking at some of the doctrines that he developed, of course, the one that he's famous for is in Galatians and in Romans, and it's what? The doctrine of grace. By grace are we saved, not of what? Works. Amen. So that no one can boast. None of us can boast and say it's because of how I was born or where I came from. I, I wrote a little Facebook blog about that, right? Based upon the, on the, on the life of Paul, that he could have boasted Oh, he was born of the tribe of Benjamin, that he was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. But he said, I count that all lost. In all likelihood, he had been married. The Bible doesn't shed on any much light on it, but um, the tradition was to be a Pharisee of his age, he, he would have been married. So it's either possible that his wife had died or he had gotten separated. We, we don't know. But there are little hints in Scripture which we may, may go to that give us that that understanding. So let's let's dive in where we left off, which was he had been saved in Damascus and he had gone off. He had to leave the city because the the Jews there threatened to kill him. And you know the story. He had to leave secretly. They had locked the gates and put out the wanted posters for him. Uh, so they had to let him down in a basket by the window outside the wall. And he was able to escape. And he went off into the Arabian desert and he spent three years there uh, receiving revelation from God. After three years, though, he decided to, it was time to go to Jerusalem and, and meet the other apostles and disciples. And we pick up that story in the book of Acts, starting at verse 26. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. He, he tried to, to, to get to the church, but no one would wanted to meet with him. Because of his reputation. Nobody wanted to be friends with him because of his past. And believed that he was not a disciple. They thought he was just faking it so he could find out where all the Christians were to arrest him. And you can't really blame them for thinking that based upon his past. You know, they thought he was only saying that so that he could find out, get a list of all the Christians to arrest them and do what he had done in the past. But it wasn't until Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord. That's what it really takes, you know. We have to have a personal relationship. At some point, you have had to have an encounter with Jesus. It's got, this thing has got to be real to you. It's very hard to fake it for a long time. People come to church out of all kinds of reasons. Social standing, people go to church. That's because my family, that was my family's church. But if you're going to have a relationship, you have got to have a personal knowledge of Christ. 
Because in the early church, as I said, the reason you could tell is because they were under the threat of death. You didn't go to church for social reasons to show off your new Sunday best. No, because you were on the risk of being arrested. You could have been uh, executed. You did this because you believed it. You know, the story went around after Jesus' resurrection, or at least they tried to, that the disciples had come and stolen his body. So the whole thing was a lie. But when you think about it, would you be willing to die for a lie? No. No, this was not a lie. This was personal experience that they all had. And so we see that it was this um, this marker that differentiated, I think, the early church from today. You know, people come to church, as I said, for all kinds of reasons. But if you are going to really make it, you have got to have something in here that, that resonates, that, that, that puts you in love with God. So Barnabas, Barnabas took him and brought him to the other disciples and, and apostles. And finally, they accepted um, and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians. So now he comes to Jerusalem and he's doing the same thing. This is what convinced them that he wasn't faking it. He went and he went into the temple and started preaching Christ. But they went about to slay him. Anytime you preach Christ, you're going to run into opposition. Anytime you start to say to someone, listen, you need to change, you're going to run into opposition. People don't like being told they're not going in the right direction. Most people like to be told, give a pat on the back, you're doing fine, just keep on going. When you start to preach Christ and that you need to change, there's usually going to be opposition. So here again, they decided they weren't going to, were going to try and slay Paul, which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. So after he had been introduced to the disciples and the apostles, and he had been there a little while, they said, you know, Paul, you're a marked man here. Because of what you used to do, they're, they're even more wanting to kill you than even us. Because you're convincing people too much because they know who you were. We were just fishermen and stuff, but you were a Pharisee. You were on the Sanhedrin. You were taught by Gamaliel. You, you, you're, not, you're not somebody like just us. They're going to try and kill you. So what they suggested to Paul is, listen, we're going to send you back home. So they sent him back to Tarsus, which is where he originally grew up, even though the rest of his family as we later see in Scripture, stayed in Jerusalem. So he went back to Tarsus, and I'm sure that while he was there, he preached. Which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee, Galilee and Samaria, and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. When Paul left Jerusalem, some of the persecution died down a little bit. For, for a little bit, they had some rest. But by that time, of course, many of the early church brethren had started to spread to other cities in the Roman Empire. So it turned out that because of the persecution, the gospel spread. You know, you may get fired from one place, you go to somewhere else, and you start to tell them about Jesus. Or maybe you don't have to tell them. They just look at your attitude. They look at, look at your cheerfulness. They look at the joy you have. 
And they say, they, they, they say what's wrong with you? You know, I love being about around Christians who have joy. Amen. And that's what we should have, not because our circumstance may be that great, but there should be a hope within us. I have Jesus Christ and he loves me. Amen. You know, as I've said, when you're in love, the first time you're in love and it's reciprocated, you're going around with a smile, right? Aren't you? (laughs) Well, maybe you all need to fall in love. (laughs) Amen. So Paul speaks about that later in his first epistle, which was Galatians. He spoke about his time in Jerusalem. In Galatians 1.1, he was explaining to the Galatians... And we're going to get to that uh, near the end again. He says, Paul, an apostle, and he's very carefully, see what he says, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ. Meaning he wasn't appointed. They didn't cast lots to choose him to fill some slot. But it was Jesus Christ himself interrupted Paul's journey. He says, uh, but by Jesus Christ, and I know it says, and God the Father. As if there is two, of course, the, the Bible was written, uh, the King James Version, by Trinitarians. That is, people who understood um, God to be three persons. So, of course, when they interpreted the original manuscripts, they put it in their context. Of course, that word and in the Greek does not necessarily mean and, but it's the Greek word kai, K-A-I. And it can even, it means thus or even. So you could correctly read that, but by Jesus Christ, even God the Father. You understand what I'm saying? Just as how today some words can have multiple meanings, in the Greek, that word that is translated and there, because of their understanding, in my view, rightly should have been translated even God the Father, who raised him from the dead. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. The reason why he had to write this, as we'll see later, is because there were people who had come down from Jerusalem who were telling these Gentiles that they had to follow the law, that the men had to get circumcised, and that they had to start following all of the, 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 the ordinances of the law. That means keep the Sabbath, Sabbath day's journey, all of the things of the law. And so he was telling them, listen, what I'm teaching you, I didn't get from man, but from God. He says, verse 12, For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. It had to come from God. All of the rest of the disciples had been raised in Judaism. That's the only thing they knew. In fact, Paul himself. The only time a revelation can come that is different, it has to come from God. And so he was saying, what I'm teaching you, it wasn't because I heard it from someone else, but this was a revelation directly from Jesus Christ. And then he goes to explain his conversion. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. We are called by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem. Remember, when he first got converted, he didn't immediately go to Jerusalem. But just like Jesus, he was led of the Spirit into the desert. Did you notice that? When Jesus was baptized, the moment Jesus was baptized, the Bible said he was led of the Spirit into the desert and he was there 40 days. Paul here also had a desert experience after his conversion. 
he went into the desert. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and, and returned again into Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other of the apostles saw I none, save James, the Lord's brother. So here Paul is, is, is going over his trip to Jerusalem and he gives a little bit more light that when he got there, the only original apostle he saw was Peter. By then, a lot of them had been scattered and had been traveling. And he also met James, who was the really the half-brother of Christ, because, of course, uh, Jesus' father was not Joseph. <laughs> but he met James, who was the Lord's brother. It's amazing how Scripture can say stuff like that and talk about the Lord's brother and his brethren, and yet, not to knock on the Catholic Church, but they teach that Mary, they have a doctrine called the Immaculate Conception, that Mary was always a virgin. <laughs> it's amazing that that there can be teachings like that that are so contrary to what the the plain reading of Scripture says. But other of the apostles I saw none, save James, the Lord's brother. But the doctrine of the Catholic Church is that Mary was so holy that she was always a virgin. She only ever had Jesus, and then after that she bodily ascended up to heaven. Where they get that, I do not know, but that's what they teach. So after Paul went back to Tarsus, uh, and after a while the persecution started up again at Jerusalem, and so more of the church had to start to flee. You know, God will, will get us stirred up. He will bring something to move us out of our comfort zone. So what happened is that a lot of them went to this city in Turkey called Antioch. Acts 11.19. And it's funny that it's in persecution that sometimes revival breaks out. You know why? Because persecution is a test. Those who pass it are for real. Those who are not going to pass it are going to drop out. And what you're left with is people who are determined are 100% who are willing to die for Christ. Uh, a good friend of mine, brother and sister, Ogi, he, he preached here about three or four years ago. Well, last week, they, uh, Sister Ogi had a very, very serious car accident. And uh, he put it on Facebook. And at first, they thought she was going to die. And they called in for the, the helicopter, you know, the flight for life. But God miraculously saved her life and she 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 pretty much walked away from it even though to look at the pictures of the car it's it's all squashed up it reminds me of my accident and why i i brought this up is that God, sometimes it's in persecution that we get a testimony and uh i was conversing with him texting with him and uh you know i told him you know the bible says that in revelation they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, which is his part, and then there's our part. What was the next part? By the word of our testimony. Think about that. It's his blood, our testimony. Let me say it again. It's his blood, our testimony. Those two things, Revelation says, they overcame him. When you go through persecution, you will have a testimony. And so... The church spread to Antioch and were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen and traveled as far as 
Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none other but Jews only. Now, when it first spread, they, the Jews who ran away thought that it was only for them. And so they only preached to Jews. And I've been guilty of this too. I look at somebody and say, oh, they're not going to listen. You just look at them and you, look, you see how they're dressed. Maybe they, they got all this goth gear on and they got tats all over and you just... Would they listen? Now, my wife is the opposite. She, she, and I know you two are like that too. She'll go up to anybody and give them a card. She, in fact, she'll, she'll, she'll motivate me. She says, have you got a card? <laughs> she'll say, have you got a card? You go give it to them. <laughs> and I'll dig around. And because she, she's motivating me, I'll probably go up. But you know, sometimes we will write people off without even attempting to reach them. And this is what the first Jews did when they, when, they, when they went to these other places. They found out other Jews first. And they weren't giving the message to the whole world. They had forgotten what Jesus said. And this gospel of the kingdom must be preached to what? All nations. All nations. In fact, truthfully, that's the only really t- the only limit to God's return. That Jesus himself says, then shall the end come. Then shall the end come. When this, when this gospel has been preached to all nations, then shall the end come. And so at first they only went to, to the Jews. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch. So Barnabas went uh, because they, he, they had started a home missions church in Antioch who when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they should cleave unto the Lord. So he started preaching. And then you know what? Gentiles started to listen. Gentiles started to listen. And then Barnabas realized that he just didn't have all that it took to really minister to these Gentiles. So you know what he decided he was going to do? He was going to go to Tarsus and get Paul. It's quite amazing, really. So Barnabas goes to Tarsus and he says, Paul, there's a revival breaking out in Antioch. And I want you to come there and I want you to preach, to help me preach. Acts 11.24 says, He was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost of faith. And much people were added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled together in the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And I talked about that last week, who uh, I think it was Brother Scott taught this, uh, preached this message about they were first called Christians in Antioch. And of course, I, I, he, he said it in this way, you know, it was a Sunday morning, and Barnabas comes in and he says, I've got, I want to introduce to you your new assistant pastor. <laughs> and all those people that were there for, from Jerusalem whom Paul had tortured or, or sent to prison or had their relatives killed, and he's going to now be their pastor. Uh, his take on it was that's why they were first called Christians, Christ-like. Forgetting those things that are what? behind. That's what we have to do. We have to forgive. 
When God forgives someone, we're not greater than God, are we? No, we have to forgive as well. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Before that, they were called people of the way. But they were first called Christians at Antioch. And I think um, his, his take on it was because of who their pastor was. Because of Paul. And so revival broke out at Antioch and they were there a year. But then something else happened. You know, God doesn't want us to stand still. Now they had become comfortable in Antioch. But that still wasn't the plan of God. He wanted this message to spread. So this is what happens next. And now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger. And it is, it is very likely that this Simeon was the same Simeon who carried the cross. And this is not the study for tonight, but uh, another study I will detail all the, the scriptures that will tell you that. And Lucius of Cyrene and Manaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. So there were some people there who were of... Um, who had been saved, who were of a high estate. They were in the company of Herod and had known Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord, and I want you to read the scripture slowly. As they ministered to the Lord. Now we will read that real fast and go on to the next part. As they ministered to the Lord. What do you think that means? What does minister mean? Serve. So what do you think the scripture is telling us? As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, something happened. The Holy Ghost spoke. As they ministered to the Lord. As I've been saying the last couple weeks when we pray, instead of asking God for stuff, Ask him, Lord, what can I do for you? You know, maybe the Holy Ghost would speak to us a lot more if our attitude was here. Lord, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to do your will. What do you need? We'd get more direction because it, as they ministered to the Lord is when the Holy Ghost spoke and gave revelation and said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. And that's what struck me when I was reading this scripture. It says, as they ministered to the... We have to ask ourselves, how much are we ministering to God? Do we do anything for God? You may say, well, God doesn't need anything. He may not need anything, but he, he does need you. He said, he came to seek them which are lost. The Bible says he seeketh true worshipers. Great preacher, Pastor Arnold, preached this message and he said, there's only twice in the Bible where God goes looking for people. You won't have to look for him. He will look for you if you are a worshiper. Isn't that something? If you start to worship, the Bible says angels start to gather around. God will come looking for you if you just start to worship, if you just start to thank him. Even in your situation, even in your trial, even in your tribulation. And I just, you know, I've been talking last week about meditating on scriptures. This one just really hit me. As they ministered to the Lord, 
mean we can minister to God? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. We can serve him. Most of the time we want him to serve us. That's how we would prefer it. But it says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. That's when the Holy Spirit spoke up and gave direction. Verse 4, so they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed unto Seleucia and from thence sailed to Cyprus. So this was when Paul went on his first missionary journey. He didn't just decide, you know what? I want to be some great evangelist. I'm going to make a name. No, it wasn't even his idea. Do you get that? All they were doing was praying and fasting. And because they ministered to the Holy Spirit, said, listen, I'm going to choose Barnabas and, and Paul, and I want to send them out. So this was the start of Paul's first missionary journey. It was when the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Paul. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed unto Seleucia. So the first place they went was this island, and I put a map up there, called Cyprus. Well, they went from Antioch to Seleucia, which is on the coast, and then they took a ship to the island of Cyprus. And the first place they landed was called Salamis. And then they walked across the island, they journeyed across the island, to the seat of government, which was called Paphos, which was on the coast, where the Roman governor, his name was Sergius Paulus. And believe it or not, through the ministry of Paul and Barnabas, he was converted. So let's look at that story because, as always, when you start a journey, you're going to have, what did I say? Opposition. In fact, if you didn't have opposition, you should be, be something is wrong. Something is wrong. Right? There's always opposition. I came here yesterday thinking, oh man, I'm going to get this heating set up real quick. It'll take me no more than an hour. <laughs> uh, brother, brother, brother Joe outlasted me, but we, I was here several hours and there was a few little leaks about the place that, that we're still dealing with. There's always going to be opposition. Bible says, think it's strange. The fiery trial. It takes more effort to swim upstream against the current, right? So they landed uh, on Cyprus and they went to Paphos and they stayed there quite a while and converted the the Roman governor and had him baptized in his family. Isn't that awesome? And then they took a ship to Perga, which is the, the city in Revelation, Pergamos, which is where I tell people I come from. When I go, when I leave Milwaukee, and people ask, where are you from? I say, Pergamos. And those of you who are Bible students will understand why. <laughs> In Revelation, it's the, it's the city where Jesus says, I know that Satan's seat. And sometimes when we, when we look around and, on the news and what's going on, it would be quite easy for us to think that this is Satan's seat. Right? But in Romans, here's what Paul says. Where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. Much more abound. So although this is, this is, this is a tough place, this is, you know, you'll go home tonight and you'll hear about all kinds of shootings. And this is the place where the church was started after he left Cyprus at the city of Perga. Let's go on. 
And when they had gone through the isles unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. Now in Hebrew, the word Bar means son of. So he was trying to say he was a son of God. That's where we get the word Barabbas, right? Barabbas, remember they, the pilot brought out this guy and said, would you like me to release Barabbas or this guy named Jesus? And the, 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 what Satan was doing was a little play upon words. We call it a pun because Barabbas means son of the father. But we run the two words together and call it Barabbas, but it's really, he was saying, I'm the son of the father. And that's what they wanted, the false Messiah. Yeah, we want Barabbas, Barabbas, the son of the father, instead of Jesus, who was truly the son of the father. Well, here was another antichrist type person who through divination, and if I have the time, I, I plan to teach on this on Tuesday, and the difference between true prophecy and the occult. Amen. So here was this person, and he, which he was in the government too. Wickedness in high places. Which was the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. But Saul wasn't going to back down. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtility and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, will thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness. He went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. You know, my, my father, in some countries, they're very big into witchcraft, and uh, they have different names for it. In Jamaica, they call it obia. And so my father, who grew up in Jamaica, could tell you all kinds of experiences of things like that. And in the church that they had founded, they ran into all kinds of um, witchcraft opposition. And he recounted the story of God telling him to go to a certain person who was doing this and to, and to essentially do what Paul said, rebuke them. But he said he was afraid. He was afraid of doing it. And he didn't do it um, when he was supposed to. And because of that, there were all kinds of consequences. I won't go into it right now. But these things are real. These things are real. They're not imagined. But let me tell you this. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, I have personal experience of this. There, I, I have had stuff. People trying to put stuff like that on me. But once I understood the power of the Holy Ghost, that's it. You can't, can't touch me. As, um, as, as, as MC Hammer said, you can't touch this. Um, and once I understood what was going on, and, and my dad explained it to me, what was going on, 
you know, it didn't bother me after a while. I just ignored it and it stopped. But here in this case, Paul withstood this sorcerer. And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee. I tell you what, when we, when we act in faith under the direction of the Holy Spirit, there is no power, there is no uh, demon that can stand. Jesus in Matthew 28 said, all power in heaven and in earth is given unto me. See, that's why Satan was trying to stop him going to the cross. Once he died, and as you said, he said, it's finished. And that curtain tore in two. Amen. When his blood hit the rocks, they split. When he arose, he said, all power in heaven and earth is now given unto me. Amen. And the Bible said when he sent his disciples out, he gave them what? Authority. He gave them two things, actually. He gave them authority and power. He told them to now wait because he was going till the Holy Ghost came and then they would have permanent authority. Amen. So I'm not afraid of spirits. I I do take care of people, though. (laughs) You have to be cautious of people. I'm not afraid of spirits, but I am cautious of people because the Bible says that's how Satan works through the children of disobedience. Anyway, Paul rebuked this sorcerer and, and he became blind, not seeing. And because of that, it says, verse 12, then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Let us pray that God will manifest his gifts in the church even more. That's what we need. When you were baptized, when you were filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says he gave gifts. But most of the time, we don't even really... Uh, once we get the Holy Spirit, we stop seeking. Once we speak in tongues, we think, okay, that's it. But Paul said, stir up the gifts. He said to Timothy, which was given you by the laying on of hands. He gave gifts unto men. And we, 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 we don't um, seek them. Once we speak in tongues, we stop. But in Mark 16, 16, it says, These signs, plural, shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall what? Cast out demons, they shall lay hands on the sick. And it goes on and lists a whole bunch of stuff. Speaking in tongues is only one of them. We should not stop seeking for the manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen. So after they went to, um, to Paphos and they left, having baptized the, the, the Roman governor and converting him to Christianity, as I said, they went to Perger. Now it was at this time that John Mark, who had come with them, decided he was going to go back to Jerusalem. He wasn't happy with this trip. And this later on caused a big falling out between Barnabas and Paul. John Mark was a a relative of Barnabas. And it just shows you, just because we're Christians doesn't mean that we can't have disagreements. Doesn't mean that we're perfected. I'm still in flesh. You can still hurt my feelings. And I'm sure I can hurt yours. But I would never do it deliberately. So I hope you'll give me grace to know if I hurt your feelings, you come and you say, Pastor, you hurt my feelings. You know what the first thing I'll say? I'm sorry. Yes. That's what I will say. I will say I'm sorry. I would never, ever try and hurt your feelings because I love you. Amen. And so we see that when John Mark decided to leave the missions field early, Paul was not happy. Now, when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John departed from them, returned to Jerusalem. 
Verse 14, when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia. This was a different Antioch. And, and into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And they started to, to, to read the law and to preach to them. E men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say unto so the, 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 the leaders of the synagogue welcomed these visitors to their town and they said, listen, um, the pulpit is yours. Do you have a word for us of exhortation? Paul said, okay, I was waiting for this. <laughs> then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, men of Israel and ye that fear God, listen up. I want to tell you something, a revelation. I want to tell you something that you don't realize that you've been waiting on the prophecies of Moses that there would be coming a Messiah. And I'm here to tell you and declare to you today that he came and was crucified but is risen. Amen. And he preached to them in Pergamos. The place where was Satan's seat. You know that tells me no matter how bad where we are living, we've got to still preach the God's word. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles who was outside listening said, listen, we want to hear more about this. And they besought that these words might be preached to them on the next Sabbath. Now, then they become again, this word beginning with O, opposition. You can't preach Christ crucified without Satan stirring up some opposition. And so they, they began to break up into factions. Some people listened to Paul and Barnabas and some didn't like it. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy because here were Gentiles who before hadn't cared about the Jewish religion. Suddenly now, because of this new uh, doctrine, were starting to want to listen and hear about Jehovah. And the Jews that had been there all this time became jealous. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing he put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. The Jews became angry that they were pre preaching to Gentiles that they too could be saved. Some people want this all to themselves. So I can be more righteous than you. I can look more holy than you. I wear the right clothes. And, and I'm more holy than you and better than you. And, and they really didn't want their position as unique because they believed they were, they were God's gift. And they were God's gift. Paul later in Romans says the oracles were given to them first. But the thing that they all forgot was what God originally said to Abraham when he called him. He said, through you will all the nations of the earth be blessed. Through your seed will all the nations of the earth be blessed. It wasn't just to the Semitic people, not just to the Jews, but it was for all people. Amen. And verse 49, and the word of God was published throughout all the region. But here comes more opposition. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. They threw them out of town. The devil will want to throw you out of town when you start to preach Christ. Amen. But you know what they did? They did what Jesus had, had, had said to do. Shake off the dust and keep going. And then they, came, they went to Iconium and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. You can have both joy and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Out there it can be cold and depressing. As I was coming, I heard the news that there was another mass shooting 
in Colorado. Out in the world, you're going to have all kinds of stuff. The devil is getting mad because he knows he hath but a short time. But you know what? Those of you who have a relationship can have joy. Because that means Jesus is coming soon. You quoted about the Euphrates River drying up. My, my brother's always sending me stuff. And, you know, he said, yes, the, the river is drying up. You know, that's prophecy and revelation that the river was going to dry up. You know, God's word can never fail. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will never fail. You know that just uh, last week, they, I, I talked about it, they found a, a, a meteor, a, a, a comet that they hadn't discovered before because it was too close to the sun. They couldn't see it because of the brightness of the sun. But they waited until just before dawn and they were able to spot uh, with a... With a um, with a, um, a, a uh, machine, a, a um, satellite that they had put up, they were able to spot this comet that they just now discovered that is possibly, they say, uh, can hit the earth. Of course, it can't hit the earth, they said, for hundreds of years. At least that's what they're saying right now. But I'm saying they know that there's more that they haven't discovered. They know that there's more that they haven't discovered. The Bible speaks about our time as men's hearts failing them for fear. Because there are things that are going to be coming upon this earth. So after they left Pergamos and they were thrown out, they went to this next place called Iconium. And it came to pass in Iconium that they were both together in the synagogue of the Jews. And so spake that a great multitude, both of Jews and also Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving, do you see everywhere he goes, there's opposition. Now are you surprised that there's going to be opposition to you guys? Every time I think, Lord, I've got it, everything's worked out. I'm, I've got it all figured out. I've got peace. There's no trouble in my life. Everything is smooth. Guess what? The Lord does not let it stay that way. It's almost like as soon as I get to that peaceful spot, I'm beginning to think, okay, I know how this works. <laughs> it's going too good to be true going to be too good. The Lord is not going to let me get this comfortable. That's been the history of my life. He's, he's never let me get where I can just ease back and take my ease. Because you know what? He wants me to be dependent upon Him. Because guess when we pray? When we're in trouble. <laughs> when we fast. When we're, unfortunately, that's, that's human nature. Right? Wouldn't it be great if we just prayed and fasted when we had nothing to ask God of? The truth is that's not how it normally works. So they, the, the Jews at this place, Iconium, also stirred up the crowd. Long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders, wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. And then when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and of the Jews, with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them. They were aware of it and fled unto Lystra in Derby. So persecution again made them leave to another place. That's exactly what Jesus said. He said, when they would not receive you in this place, don't stop. You go somewhere else and you start. So we went to Target and they said, you can't hand out pamphlets there. So we went to Walmart. <laughs> 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 
Last summer, that's what happened. We went to Target and they said, you can't hand out stuff here. So, okay, well, we shook the dust off and we went to Walmart. And we went in Walmart and nobody stopped us. And we went into the store and we were handing out cards and everything. That's what you got to do. Amen. You cannot let the devil frighten you. Here they tried to stone them. So now they, so you understand that Paul's missionary journey was not so much a plan, but he was forced. Everywhere he went, it wasn't that he had planned to go to the next city. Something made him go. We look at it and think, oh, well, Paul planned this out. He's going to go here, 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 and then come back here. When you look at what actually happened, it was trouble that made him move. Otherwise, they would have stayed where they were for quite some time. Sometimes the Lord will take us into new situations. Amen. Because sometimes we're getting too comfortable. Amen. And so then they went to another place. They fled unto Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia, and unto the region that lined about. And there they preached the gospel. Now because of the miracle that was done, the people tried to worship them. They brought garlands and, 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 and brought cows to sacrifice to Barnabas and Paul and started to call them by the Greek God names. And um, it says, verse 8, And there was a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. When the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lyconia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And so when Paul and Barnabas tried to stop them, they got mad. And then they wanted to stone them. And they did stone them. Now, notice something that happened. God did not protect them from being stoned. This is probably the second time that Paul was stoned. This time, it was very serious. Let's read it. And these... There, and they, with these saints, scarce restrained they the people, and they had, because they had not let them do sacrifice, and there came hither certain Jews from Antioch and jo, um, Iconium, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. So they obviously knocked him unconscious, and in fact, if you want my opinion, they had killed him. That's just my opinion, and I'll give you the reasons why. Because they could tell when someone was dead. And they took his body, they dragged his body and left it outside the city. Howbeit, as the disciples stood around him, he rose up. So obviously, the disciples thought he was dead because it says they were just standing around the body. If they had thought he was alive but just unconscious, what would they have been doing? They'd have been trying to do something. But they thought he was dead too. But you know what happened? It was not his time. It says, Howbeit, as the disciples stood around looking at his body, he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. And when they had preached the gospel to that city, I'm running out of time. When they had preached the gospel to that city, um, they returned to Lystra and unto Iconium and Antioch confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must through what? All right, I want you to say to me with me together, much tribulation. Did you see what Paul said here? 
exhorting that we must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. God did not stop Paul from being stoned. He let him be stoned. But he did not let him die. He told Satan when Job was being attacked, listen, yeah, you can make him sick, but you cannot kill him because his life does not belong to you. The Bible says that our lives are hid in Christ. Our lives are hid in Christ. Amen. And so, and from then they passed through Pisidia and they came to Pamphylia and they preached against the word. So they went in a big circle, but most of it was due to persecution. As soon as they got threatened, they went to the next city. The next city. And then they came back and then finally, verse 26, they sailed to Antioch from thence they had been recommended to the grace of God because now the work had been fulfilled. God had used them mightily to go through Asia Minor and spread the word and start churches everywhere they had been. But it was only through much persecution. Now, I want to focus on some of the events that happened during this first trip because something important happened that Paul mentioned. This is the book of Acts, but Paul wrote about his first trip and some of the events that happened. And I want to focus on, on what happened here in, in Acts 14, 19, when he got stoned. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Many years later, when he was writing to the Corinthian church, I believe he was speaking about this. And remember what I said, that I really believe he was dead. In 2 Corinthians, this is what he wrote. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body... I cannot tell. Or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. I believe he was speaking about the time when he was stoned and his spirit left his body. And for a moment, he was given a vision of heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for man to utter. What he's meaning is he saw things that he could not put into words. You know, John when he saw his revelation of of heaven, he spoke about uh, gold like glass. You know, he was seeing stuff that he could not put into words. He, He tried our words as best we can. You know, a few months ago I taught about the common experience and how unless you have a common experience, you cannot have a language because we use words to identify things that we we know in common. When I say a rose, you immediately have this concept of a flower, mostly that's red, that has a certain scent, that may have thorns. I don't have to explain it to you. But if you were born blind, I could not explain. If I say a rose, it would mean nothing to you. So... Paul here saw things that he had no way of putting into human words. He says, I was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for man to utter. Now he says he was caught up to the third heaven. What does that mean? Are there three heavens? Well, in those days, the the Jewish concept of heaven was, I'm going to come to you, have a question, right? Saw your hands. Okay. The, they, they had a concept of, of heaven this way. The first heaven was the atmosphere that we could see. The clouds. The, the second 
heaven was the, the stars and where the planets were. The third heaven was where God dwelt. And so this is what Paul is explaining. In the Old Testament, it's put a different way. The heavens that, that are atmosphere, we, they call it the heavens, but God's dwelling place was called the heaven of heavens. So Paul is here claiming that whenever this out-of-body experience happened, he was caught up to paradise and he saw visions that he can't even put into words. You know, that's one of the things I wish I, I had experienced was a vision of heaven. I'm absolutely sure that anyone who's had that vision of heaven, amen, it's going to be something that can help keep you. He says, how is caught up in the paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Now, the book of Hebrews, the scholars dispute who wrote it. Um, some believe it was Apollos, others believe it was Paul. I kind of believe it was Paul for this one reason. Because of the verse 4 here, how he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is was not lawful for man to utter. In Hebrews chapter 9, the writer there is speaking about the tabernacle. And he's speaking about all of the beauty of, of the temple. And he goes on and he uses the same kind of phrase about the fact that there are mysteries there that cannot be explained right now. And so we see that there is a, a correlation in some of the things that Paul saw that he could not even put into words. We need a vision of heaven. We need a vision of heaven. If the Bible said, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, what God has got prepared for them that love him. You're not working for nothing. It's going to be such that cannot be explained. It took God seven days to make the universe, but he's taken him 2,000 to make the place we're going to. He said, I go away to prepare a place that where I am, you may be also. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in, my, in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Are many mansions. I ran out of time here. This, this. Let's stand. When he came back, and I, I'll, I'll only have you standing for another 10, 15 minutes. Just. And when he came back, in Acts 15, it says, And certain men came down from Judea, taught the brethren, and said, Except he be circumcised after the manner of Moses, he cannot be saved. I tell you what, sit down, sit down. Sorry. That was just to get the blood flowing. I do need to, I want to get through this part because it's so important. So when they came back, some people came and telling them, you got to observe the law. You got to be circumcised. You got to do all this stuff. And so there was a big discussion. We would call it an argument. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenix and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. So they, this, is, this is really the second church council, if you could call it uh, the first, well, the 
It's really the first major church council where they're going to decide some very important things. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and the apostles and the elders, and they, they declared all the things that God had done with them. But there arose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. It had not dawned on them, even though they had been filled with the Spirit, what had happened. It had not dawned on them that the high priest had ripped his robes, signifying the end of the law. It had not dawned on them that the veil in the temple had ripped supernaturally in two. It had not dawned on them that Jesus, during his ministry, had not kept the Sabbath. (laughs) But I told them, listen, do you know who is here? I am the Lord of the Sabbath. It had not dawned on them. And they were trying to bring back stumbling blocks and roadblocks which none of them had been really able to keep. They used to cheat. If they had to go somewhere longer than a Sabbath day's journey, people would get their servant to take some piece of household article and put it a mile away. Then they could walk another mile because they were within range of something personal. You know, that's how they would, they would always come up with, with things. Today, uh, people who keep try and keep the Sabbath do the same thing. They, they drive. They don't walk to where they're going. Because they haven't understood that only the people who enter through Jesus are really experienced the Sabbath day rest. I will cut this very quickly. So there was again a big discussion. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, we know how that a good while ago God made a choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God which knoweth the hearts Bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. And put no difference. There's no difference. In Christ there's not Gentile, nor Greek, nor Jew, male, nor female. And purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God that he put a yoke about the necks of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to to bear? But we believe, and it's, it's interesting, but Paul was not necessarily the first one to speak about grace by salvation. Here is Peter speaking. He says, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that means unmerited favor, we shall be saved even as they. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring the miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And after they held their peace, James answered and said, this is Jesus' half-brother, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon, that's Peter, had declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles and to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophet, for it is written, After this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David which has fallen down, and I will build up again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. And let me just skip to the last and then we can stand. Therefore my sentences or my word is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. Now, shall I tell you what happened that most people don't realize? That in the early church, they kept two, two different pathways. They let the Gentiles not keep the law, but still 
Those at Jerusalem were still trying to keep the law. Isn't that amazing? But we write unto them that they abstained. There were four things. Only four. The first church bylaws were just four things. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble here now. When I went before the board to get my license, I told them, I said, we have to be careful that we don't become like other denominations where we let tradition become like thus saith God. Because there were really only four things. Four things that the early church told the Gentiles specifically they should do. They should abstain from pollutions of idols, from fornication and from things strangled, and from blood. Isn't that amazing? That's all they told them to do. That's really amazing. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and the elders and the brethren sends greetings unto the brethren, brethren which are in the Gentiles. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you. I've been preached on in church. <laughs> I had some platform shoes on. <laughs> this is way back in the 80s. <laughs> and the preacher got up and uh, decided he, he, would, he would lay in to me for having platform shoes. Not called my name, but it was... It was Well, you know, I was a little bit height challenged, so the, so platform shoes were good for me. <laughs> huh? Bell bottoms. <laughs> well, some of you know that. For as much as we've heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your soul, saying ye must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. It was this, I believe, that prompted Paul to write his letter of Galatians, which we'll do next time. We won't finish today. Which started him to put it into words, the doctrine of grace. Now you can stand. Amen. I marvel, he says, that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. This whole gospel is a gospel of grace. It's not about works. And this is where he said, which is not another, but there would be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel that we have, that we have preached unto you. Let him be accursed. He's saying, if I come back and have changed my mind, let me be accursed. As we have said before, I say now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than he have received, let him be accursed. It's by grace are we saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not about necessarily what I wear. And you know what I teach about that. We should wear whatever helps our witness. If, we, if what we're wearing or dressing hurts our witness, then we shouldn't do it. Right? That's as simple as that. It's not a question of measuring lengths or colors or whatever. It's does this help our witness? If, if I'm dressed, can, will this help what I'm saying? Or will person be looking at me like <laughs> crazy? And I, I have that picture I put up, right? I'll, maybe next time I'll put it up where I've got, uh, I've got a Photoshop picture with the bling and the purple here and spikes. And if I came up like that, there would be no, I don't think it'd be a sin to be dressed like that. But you wouldn't listen to me. You'd be looking like, what is he drinking? <laughs> Paul said, I became as all men Right? When in Rome, 
he be, that doesn't mean we sin. Now, there are things that we're not to do. There are places we cannot go. But, but the, 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 the gospel message is grace, not of works. It's not because of how we dress. Holiness is not something that, that we can make ourselves. Holiness is imputed to us through obedience. That's why the Bible says because Abraham had faith, it, righteousness was imputed to him. Amen. Next time we will, we will look at Paul's writing to the Galatians and the Romans because it's from all that happened with the big argument at Jerusalem that he decided to put it in writing about the, the God's grace. Amen. We're going to close this service. I hope you've been blessed. Amen. I hope you've been blessed. Understand that we're going to go through opposition. Wherever we go, we're going to go through opposition. I know she doesn't want me to mention this, but please greet Sister Nicole as she goes. She'll be gone for a few months. Amen. And uh, we'll be praying for her. If we could bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your grace. Hallelujah that extends above and beyond, Lord God, that even in Pergamos, Lord, hallelujah, that where sin doth abound, your grace doth much more abound. We ask, Lord God, as we go, Lord, that you will surround us with your presence, Lord. Bless our service to come. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that the word will go forth with liberty, Lord God, to touch. Bless our baptism that we're expecting, Lord God. We thank you right now. We give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Amen.